We don't That's assign racist. ownership in the case of a vibrator. It's always a vibrator, never your vibrator. Bold City Longsword presents the Swords and Stereo Podcast. So welcome to Swords and Stereo. I'm Matthew Stinson. And I am Keith Ham and Johan Lopez. Today, we're going to have a, a more, I don't want to say philosophical, but it's not a, it's, it's not a, a, a we're going to ask questions that don't have concrete answers. This is uh, mostly opinions, and this is coming from the American South in Florida. So there are caveats to what we're about to say. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what? Uh, we're going to talk about today is the goal slash purpose of HEMA and are we achieving that or not? <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, I guess I'll, I'll start with Keith since he's been doing HEMA the longest. What do you think the purpose of HEMA is? And I mean, like, so we can look at this from different points of view too, like personally or as a club or as a community. And do those are those interlinked or not? They should be um, interlinked, but there's a breakdown as soon as you get out of your own head, and then again out of the club. Personally, uh, the whole point of this is to recreate dead arts, you know, to pick up pieces and put these systems back together as best we can. That's it, and then that funnels into like the purpose of the club in trying to develop you know the pedagogical structures that then disseminate that out and into effective fencers outside of that i got nothing because <laughs> there's just nobody seems to agree on what we're actually doing and that's why half these arguments get started on on the internet uh is that people just aren't after the same goal what, was, what about you johan uh coming in you're you're super active, but you've only been doing this a couple of years. So like you, when HEMA was more fully formed when you showed up, what did the goal look like, or what was your assumption of the goal when you showed up? I mean, my assumption of the goal when I showed up was I need a combat sport, and uh, you know I just felt the itch and it was time. But uh, yeah, I'm I'm spoiled. Like I, I've come in well after basically getting into everything is easy and. Uh, in regards to just a lot of the format and a lot of how we go about this as a community, a lot of it's kind of established in the sense that, uh, you know, there's resources and gear and people to talk to now. It's not obscure. I'm pretty similar to Keith as far as uh, my thoughts on that go. Like HEMA as a community, you know, as a whole needs to be about recreating these systems. Like that's why are we digging into the sources and practicing them? If we're not looking to apply the systems as they were intended in their context historically and tactically pragmatically all of that so if you're not if you're fighting 
and your fighting looks nothing like the system that you say you study, uh, I, IMO, you're not doing HEMA, right? Or you're not very good at HEMA. But then, you know, it, it's a tiered approach, right? Because like the, either you have the community level and then there's room for, you know, there's room to play at every level below that, right? So like a club can be focused around the club's collective interests. And then you as an individual should obviously be able to bring your own interests and goals into it as well. You know, we've, we had a creative writer show up at the club who was really only interested in kind of verifying what they were going to, to write and choreograph about. And then you have the people that care about competing. You have the people that care about the study and actual recreation of the source before anything else. Uh, you have the completionists and the tryhards who just want to get good, you know? Well, so let's talk about the purpose of the sources then and what the writers had in mind while they were writing it. You know, do you, do you think a lot of they, they envisioned what we're doing right now? Like, I know, I know Meyer at the beginning of his book, he's very much like, don't let Longsword die. It's dying off. Please, please don't forget how cool the Longsword is. And then we did, but now it's coming back. So how do you think our our current purpose lines up with the purpose of the sources themselves? I mean, that's, again, a really a broad thing because some of them are literally doing HEMA and like trying to you know, bring Longsword back or, you know, keep it popular or Polytechnomeyer trying to collect a bunch of stuff together, um, whereas others are trying to sell themselves or their their school or whatever. You know, try to get hired, uh, some variation on that. So the purpose of each writer is different, you know, depending on when and where they were. But some of it is definitely similar because it's just copying down stuff somebody else said and putting your spin on it. Do you think, I mean, like, obviously, like, we have people writing fencing books today. I mean, they're basically doing the same thing still, right? There's a weird thing because, like, someone will write a, a book as their interpretation of, say, Capoferro. So they're being really clear that like, this is not my system. These are not things I've made up. I'm just trying to explain what's in this. But then how different is that really from the glosses off of the settle? Writing a hundred pages on Lichtenauer's poem, you know, a hundred years afterwards, or whatever time frame you're looking at. In some cases, they're more honest by saying this isn't mine, but they're, they're removed from it by not being able to claim like I'm in this lineage or whatever variation of that was going on. We also have other people, though, that'll read like five or six books and put them all together, like take the cherry pick the best parts or the, be the best explanations and re-release that. And those people are trouble. Be <laughs> well, I mean, are they? If it, if it works? Well, well it but works. what works? Yeah. All right. Well, so, so we're back to purpose. So works in either a at the club in training scenarios or works at tournaments against unwilling opponents. If you're, if you're trying to make yourself the best possible fencer by picking and choosing from different systems, you're not recreating an art. And while, yeah, I, I do that technically. I mean, I, I, I do mix several Italian rapier sources um, because they, they start to make sense in my head better when I combine them and it suits my general personality or style or whatever, but I would never put them forward as a new system. It's, it's, you know, my little bag of fun, but like as soon as you start trying to 
teach or interpret a new set of rules that are, are cobbled together from other ones. Like we don't even know that we've got the individual systems right, like a hundred percent yet. So how could you combine them in a way that you said this is good and this is right? Many you know, of them are incompatible and designed for different weapon sets or different contexts. So like, is there a purpose to crossing the streams if they're not of the same lineage? Or like even when they are like the the same basic place and time with the same weapon, you know, Capfaro and Giganti, pretty close um, as far as like not only you know, the weapon, the time and place, but the the way they kind of talk about how to do it. But how can we ever be sure we've really got Capfaro nailed down if everybody starts mixing them? Right. How can we be sure that like anybody's done enough research into Giganti if they're just plugging all the holes with Capoferro and sport fencing and whatever else? So like it it gets real muddy. And there's a, a huge difference between trying to be the best fencer and trying to recreate these systems. So like, so, I, so the, the, that is now a personal we're talking about personal goals and club goals again, because as a club, we can say we're only going to study one source. We're going to get the best we can at this source. Or as a club, you can say, you know, we're doing one source on Monday and one source on Tuesday and one source on Wednesday. And then on Saturday, we're sparring and you use whatever you want. So how do those how do those conflict and how do those go with each other? They don't necessarily have to conflict because like on a personal level or even at, at like a person to person level you can like mess around like that. And if somebody that you've been teaching Capoferro to, and then you, you sprinkle in some Fabrice or Giganti and they love that. If they go off and, and decide that that's the system they want to work out of, then great. Like they don't have to stick with what you're teaching necessarily, you know, as long as they're you know being honest about scholarship and everything it can open new avenues for people to branch into new systems, but like the whole just mixing because like, Oh, I like this page of, of this book and this page of this book. If you haven't like really, really got the first one down, you don't know where to plug the second one in. Mm-hmm. But if you're just trying to fence and have fun, you know, play with stuff until like it makes sense. And then hopefully everybody hits that point where they're like comfortable fencing and decide to get serious about something. Uh, and really dive into their ideal source, which should be like my Aaron Fabrice, just hands down, but, you know, whatever. <laughs> Some people are wrong. So we're a Meyer club and we're, you know, uh, hopefully once uh, everything, the whole Corona thing's over, we plan on starting sword and buckler class as a Meyer club without a sword. You know, how, how, how are you going to go into that, Johan? It, it's obviously a dis, a different system. I feel like it's separate enough that while a lot of the core principles are going to cross pollinate, that I'm not really worried about it conflicting directly with Meyer either. It's not entirely dissimilar to at least tactically to what we do in Rapier and Dagger. There's there's structural differences. Obviously, the pedagogy is completely different, but the uh, the muscle memory and the skill set is is there. You could adapt somebody who's competent at rapier and dagger uh, into an effective uh, sword and buckler fighter. By sword and buckler, we're specifically talking about one thirty three here. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. 
where my brain always goes when people say sword and buckler, but then there's a bunch of people that do bolognese. Right, which is so, its own thing. Yeah. So, you know, obviously being a Meyer club and then having a, a bolognese class could create some confusion because <laughs> they're, they're really close in like time and purpose. Right. Whereas a Meyer and a, a 133 separated by a couple hundred years, roughly. And just wildly different weapon set. So, like, you can kind of find that balance of, you know, these are different sources. They're coming at, you know, armed conflict from different angles and different arrows with different tools, but they're going to be similar in the end. Because um, you'll find those similarities to Meyer. You'll find the similarities to later Italian rapier because physics didn't change over the course of the, the Renaissance. I mean, we already kind of have late period Italian rapier running concurrent to Meyer and a lot of our rapier fighters are pretty successful longsword too something something overwind I don't know <laughs> we've been mainly talking about HEMA practitioners how we view ourselves. I, I often wonder how outsiders see us and like so comparing our goal our goals and purpose to our, our outside uh, I guess branding would be the best term like how we want to be portrayed by other martial artists and how we want to be portrayed by non-martial artists. What y'all were just saying, though, is I think mainly from the outside is people assume we're training all the sources and not one source. When people talk to you and you say you're a HEMA practitioner, they assume you to be able to rattle off a lot of masters and a lot of different concepts. They might even assume there's stuff out there that doesn't even exist. <laughs> Like, uh, we're, 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 you know, uh, as a community, we mo mostly train German and Italian, but I, I assume people think there's sources from all European countries and you should be able to just pick, pick a country and train sword fighting from there. So how can we, as a community, correlate our goals and our branding? I think so, a lot of that's kind of out of our hands, because if you just... You go up to a random person and say you do HEMA, they won't know what that is. Maybe they've heard the word, if you say historical fencing, they start picturing either Olympic fencing, because all fencing is historical, or like Buhart, because that's what they saw on some Facebook video about, you know, MMA with swords uh, from K1 or, or whatever. And so you say like, oh, well, no, it's not like Olympic fencing. We use, you know, closer to the like actual swords. Uh, their brain's going to jump to that. Like, well, no, not that, not that either. Somewhere in the middle, <laughs> um, you know, based on good sources. <laughs> so like it, you pick basically any, particularly any combat sport, uh, you, you find the people who are into it or even train it are way different than the people who are aware of it. And they're way different from the people who are just normies. The UFC had such a hard time getting started because it was, you know, barbaric blood sport and all this other stuff. And like, it's just boxing with extra rules. Like, what's the difference? I noticed. Uh, so it, it's funny that you bring up MMA because I, I kind of, that's what I kind of picture HEMA being in 50 or 60 years where we'll still have these sources as our foundation, but by then we'll be three lineages deep where you, the, the people we've trained are now training people and we're retired or fucking in the ground. And by then it, it'll be something totally different. 
So I, I think about that a lot about when we're training people, like how can we course correct now to achieve what we want to achieve? Or is that just inevitable? Is it going to be all sources blended into HEMA uh, in quotes? I think the purpose of MMA was very fundamentally different to the initial sort of genesis of HEMA. Because like, we're specifically looking at dead systems, you know, systems that weren't known, weren't talked about for, you know, basically until the the most recent uh, movement started. So there's that reconstructivist element to it, whereas MMA kind of started from a a point of can we achieve martial supremacy if we we frog DNA the shit out of this, right? If, if well, we, see, I'd, I'd even disagree with that because it's like the UFC started with like put up or shut up. You know, it was it was a mixed martial arts tournament in the sense that the competitors were all from different backgrounds. Mm-hmm. It was not the competitors are mixing martial arts. It's this guy does Brazilian jiu-jitsu, that guy's a wrestler, this guy's a boxer, uh, and this guy does taekwondo. And they all talk a big game, but, you know, I bet I could take them. So it, it was that, like, bring everybody together and just sort it out. And now it's everybody studies jiu-jitsu and Muay Thai and wrestling and boxing, and you know, or you just get crushed. Because um, if you don't have that complete game, you're, you're just out of your depth. So even that has gone way away from its initial purpose which maybe for the best i mean certainly not complaining about where it's at today that's what i'm saying in in 50 years will people be sitting here talking about hema like it went away from its original purpose but probably for the best while we're sitting on our front porch like ah damn kids you know you don't know what real hema is you know like the way will there be a reinsert like a will we have like a hema cobra cry show that talks about the good old days when before mma and HEMA's got some additional challenges there because, like, if we're talking unarmed, then, like, we, we can have a relatively unified format. But if we're talking different weapon sets with different protection requirements, that's a lot harder to mix, you know, like, percussive longsword versus rapier. The, they have completely different levels of protection requirement, which could conflict with use of the weapon, uh, at least with current materials. So, like, how do you do it without, you know, creating a bunch of safety concerns? magic uh, well, and, i mean uh, people are trying to figure it out every it. day though i'm i'm just i'm just assuming they will uh, i don't have to know how i just <laughs> as, as time keeps moving forward we'll get there part of the, what attracted me to hema too was that it was so decentralized and there was so much variety not just in terms of practice but in terms of like just events you can get into right like the you have people like Scott Brown who want to host like historical formats. Like this is what they did back in the day for these purposes. And we're going to try to get good at that today versus just show up and fight that sort of stuff. There's, there's room for that. I don't feel like HEMA would be able to, to find a single unified format and still keep a lot of its charm. Harness Fecton versus Bloss Fecton, right? Like those are two very different, types of competition and put them together and everybody's just going to start doing harness vectin right why wouldn't you? <laughs> you know you can hit me anywhere but i can only hit you in the armpit that this is no fun the the reason this this subject came up was i interviewed jared wilson uh who does the martial thoughts podcast jared has he's dabbled in hema but he he's mainly a traditional martial artist but he he's talked to a lot 
of HEMA practitioners on his podcast. And uh, that episode should have already came out uh, before this one. So you've, if you're if you're listening to our podcast, you've probably already heard this interview. Jared's familiar with HEMA, but he's an outsider. And then while I was interviewing him, he made this quote, and it's a it's a pretty long quote, but I'm going to read it, and then we can we can talk about the implications of this is how an outsider views HEMA. He says, "I think HEMA is a good model in general because." They flat out tell you this is what they're trying to do. We're trying to take stuff from the 13th, 14th, and 15th hundreds, and we're trying to use it in a tournament setting. That's it. We're not trying to say it's self-defense. We're not trying to say you'll be the king of the battlefield. Uh, we have a very limited focus, and this is what we are doing with it. And look, we can show you what we can accomplish. I think uh, a lot of martial arts in general cannot accomplish what it is they say they do i mean like when he said that i, I was extremely happy that an outsider thinks we're we're doing what we want to do because uh, <laughs> i don't feel that from the inside <laughs> i feel like I, he's, I, we still struggle we're still struggling with it so what are y'all thoughts on that I, I agreed with his quote in full context because he was saying that we're not trying to claim that our arts are self-defense or that they'll make you a badass and that we don't just uh, leave it to forms, right? There's a certain degree of pressure testing. Um, there's a culture of, will this work? Let's try it out. And so in that respect, HEMA is very successful because it, it's just alive. Like as, as an organism, we, we constantly do get to, to iterate um, on our practice and then go back, improve things and, and all of that. The challenge that HEMA runs into is from its decentralization because you have people that care about vastly different parts of the, the culture and then they don't agree what the sport should, uh, how the sport should be conducted. So that, that's where I feel like a lot of the, the just general internal conflict with uh, HEMA and people's individual goals for it and, and vision for it comes up. Is that just a, a successful, is that a successful outlook for HEMA or is that just a negative outlook for other mar martial arts is it they're marketing their what they're doing is self-defense or sport just to get bodies in the door and like they're 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 trying to broaden their clientele by saying their art does everything are we just not doing that is it is is that why it's working uh, part of it is also uh you know, with the exception of like wrestling and pugilism, a lot of the weapon sets that HEMA practices are legitimately obsolete. I mean, there's there's obviously room for knives <laughs> um, in this day and age. You know, uh, the, the context is so far removed from what modern self-defense is and the arts have been dead. So there, it's not like there's been any attempt at adaptation or evolution or anything like that. We, we, we kind of can't <laughs> claim that, uh, that we're self-defense. It's just not, you know, it's not a reasonable jump to make. So you're so like the new members preconceived notion is more closely aligned to what we really do than other martial arts. I mean, depending on the member. Yeah, Cause I mean, we're still pretty broad because you can play the tournament angle or you can play the, the history nerd angle or, you know, just the fitness, whatever, because like, I, I think that does take some weight off of people approaching it is that they're not going to learn self-defense 
so they never really have to prove it. So it can just be a fun thing they do. Um, whereas like as soon as you, you like tell someone like, oh, yeah, I take karate, then they're going to be like, oh, so you think you can fight? Well, no, I just I take karate to stay limber and, you know, kick people. It's fun. It, it automatically has that connotation. Whereas if you fence, nobody's going to assume that like, well, I mean, some people make the joke a lot, but they're, they're not actually assuming that you're some kind of badass in the street with a sword or that you're itching to prove it. It's literally just a weird hobby. So like, I think some of that removes pressure, but it does narrow our, our, our purpose. I'm literally just here for edgelord cred. So I'm right there with you. That's why I wear a trench coat. And keep a long story. <laughs> oh, I kind of want to go back and touch on the actual, you know, Jared Wilson quote. Um, that to the outsider, it is. it seems to be all about the tournament because they see, you know, long point or swordfish videos and like that's the pinnacle but they don't go and watch like the wmaw video or deed of arms or, or whatever other like super historical vein of it there is that's just about the study and recreation of it so like it, it becomes a little misleading because like tournaments are an aspect of hema they're not the point of hema like we're not just doing this to go fight in tournaments like that's already an aspect of like the public misconception, you know, even someone who is a martial artist and like is a step closer than a normal person. They see it as a, a like, we're going to have tournaments to do HEMA to be good at tournaments. Like that's, that's really circular and self-defeating. Mm. Like the, the point of HEMA is to recreate the system. The tournaments are to try things out. I could go on hours worth of rants about tournaments and the way people, you know, think about them and approach them and everything like that. But that's it's whole different episodes or series of episodes. But it, the point is, is that it's just another aspect to training, right? Like if we just want to look at longsword, because obviously this was a little bit different for uh, each discipline, but generally speaking, you got to study the source. Uh, you got to drill and teach your body what the uh, source wants you to do. You got to cut or, you know, at least understand how the weapon was used outside of being a simulator. And you got to test all of that under duress. That's that's your tournaments and that's your free play. And if you're not doing all of those things and doing them to quality, you're you're not doing human. Bold words. <laughs> Whoa. That's, yeah. I'm just going to leave it at that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we made it through this entire episode and I never once said, you're not doing HEMA, I don't think. <laughs> <laughs> I think Johan said it twice. <laughs> uh, someone's rubbing off on someone else, and I didn't mean to say that right after the vibrator comment. But all right, so uh, I think that I think that wraps it up for this episode. Bye, everybody. Balls, 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 balls. This episode of Swords and Stereo was produced by Final Plank Media Productions. Theme song for Swords and Stereo is Thunderer by Professor Agma. Check him out too. To find out more about Bold City Longsword, visit their website at jacksonvillehema.com. To find more Final Plank Media produced podcasts, visit finalplank.com or visit us at Final Plank on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thanks for listening.